in my kidness, I'm like, Jim, this is ugly. I said, what's this all about? <laughs> he goes, it is ugly. He said, this is what the client wanted. And he said, uh, I'm just going to take all that out. I'm going to weld it back up and I'm going to re return it back to how it was. And blew my mind. I'm like, wait a minute. I mean, to me, the car's ruined. He said, oh, no, we'll just cut that out, weld it back up. He said, you'll never know that was there. And I was like, teach me, teach me that. I, I, I can't wrap my head around that you can fabricate something and create something. Mm -hmm. And um, so after that, I realized that's what I wanted to do. Started learning that, started, learned how to weld. And once I got a welder, it opened up the world to me as far as building a car. Now you can make brackets. Now you can, you know, you can do metal work. You can do sheet metal work. You can do framework. This interview episode is brought to you by G-Tops. Why would you want to lose the freedom of the Freedom Tops? Jeep developed the Freedom Top through years of design and testing. Quick on, quick off, no leaking, and easy to store. The unbreakable G-Tops panels installed in the Freedom Tops make the cabin quieter, stronger, and lighter. Clear see-through tops with no visual distortion. Some other tops not only distort your view, they act as a drum. That's bass you don't want to hear in your Jeep. Check out the G-Tops today at gtops.com. That's J-E-E-Tops.com. Hi, I'm Tony, and welcome to the Jeep Talk Show, the talk show where we talk about all things Jeep, from trail riding to overlanding and everything in between. Every Friday, we have an interview with a new and exciting guest. Sometimes they have products that you need for your Jeep. Sometimes they have a great story to share. So sit back, grab a cold one, and get ready for another great guest right here on the Jeep Talk Show. Are you ready? It's time for the Jeep Talk Show with hosts Tony, Josh, Wendy, and Chuck. This is such a great interview. It was so much fun to do. Uh, let's just get there to it. I know this is what <laughs> you don't want to see me talking. You want to see Stacy David. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Alrighty, ho, boys and girls, it's time for another Jeep Talk Show interview, and tonight we're going to be interviewing Stacy David. Does that name sound familiar to you? It should. So Stacy David is the guy that every do-it-yourselfer wants in the garage, helping out in their automotive projects. With decades of experience working in restoration and hot rod shops for 20-plus years on two hit TV shows, Stacy has established a reputation for showing people how to build cool cars and trucks. His mechanical abilities and fabrication skills have made him one of the most trusted and respected custom car builders in the world today. Stacy's incredible work and positive influence have has earned him many awards and accolades for the autom in the uh, yeah, from the automotive industry, uh, as well as the nickname America's Gearhead, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, through the <laughs> through the building of wild, transcending custom vehicles like Copperhead, the V8 Interceptor, and Sergeant Rock, Stacy inspires legions of gearheads around the world to get out there and build something. Stacy, thank you very much for being with us today. We're really happy and lucky to have you here. Thank you, man. It's an honor to be here. Thanks. So um, now it's been a little while. Well, let me let me let me uh, jump back real quick. Now I have been told that I need to mention uh, Mark Vilbert, the Jeepster man. <laughs> he, I was How talking. How much money do you owe him? <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to him yesterday for the first time, and he goes, "Oh, you're going to interview Stacy David. You need to mention my name to him. Tell him I said hello." And because he says you guys have worked together, I, I have. I, you don't have to confirm or deny that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but no, I, Mark's a great guy. He is. Uh, he is the guy behind the Jeepster man. And so I've got a '67 Jeepster that I'm doing here on the show, and Mark and I got together with that. And uh, so, so this yeah, is this is recent. You're doing. And he mentioned that, but you, this is a recent build that you're doing. So it's not. It's oh, in it's the process. Right outside the door there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So okay. Good. Uh, he didn't say how long yeah. ago it was. Yeah, it's a 67 that uh, I pulled out of a garage, out of a barn. It had been sitting for 30 years. And it's a 67 convertible Jeepster, first year. And, yeah, I knew they were rare. Or, you know, I always liked the Commandos, the Jeepster Commandos. My dad had them when I was a kid. Always wanted to get one and do a customized version of one. And so I always was kind of looking for one. And a 
through a series of stuff, a guy wanted to trade some things. He goes, hey, are you interested in this Jeepster? <laughs> I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> so I go look at it, and it's the Jeepster with the factory top and the Continental kit. Not really my look. It's a little soft, if you know what I mean. You know, with the hubcaps and everything on right. it. But I'm like, hey, you know, I can do a mild custom on this, put some bigger axles in it and, you know, put a V8 in it and have the vehicle I want. Well, I get it in here and I start looking at it. And, of course, I get hold of Mark over at Jeepster Man because he's kind of the guy for Jeepster parts. And any older Willys stuff, which I'm a huge Willys fan. And uh, so, anyway, I start talking with him. And he almost comes through the phone. He's like <laughs> slobbering and just like, oh, do you realize what you've got there? And I said, well, yeah, I realize I got a Jeepster. And it looks like it's pretty rare and in pretty good shape. So we got to looking at it. And uh, I start looking at it from a, an originality standpoint. Come to find out it's got 8,000 original miles. Oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, so what I did, uh, that, that was a really good opportunity to do a, a segment on the show on, okay, what happens when you buy a project and it's not what you thought, either good or bad? You know, how do you alter what you were planning with that? In other words, say you buy a, you know, a, a Belvedere and it turns out to be a real Roadrunner. Or you buy a Roadrunner, it turns out to be a fake. Mm -hmm. Or you think you bought, you know, some sort of high dollar jeep you know like a renegade with a bird on it and it turns out it's a four-cylinder piece of junk right you know somebody has fudged on something what do you do and uh so for this i i told him what my original vision was for the build but i said because this is an eight thousand mile original you don't cut this up good i was gonna be my next question <laughs> it's worth too much yeah you know however you don't want to drive it around completely original because it's just not safe. It doesn't have good brakes, you know. So there's a there's a line there where you can do modifications. You can do disc brake conversions, which I used one of Mark's systems. Um, you can upgrade the fuel system, the electrical, the carburation, the, the wiring harnesses, and still not lose the originality. Mm -hmm. And then you can drive and you can enjoy it. And so that's what we did with this project. And uh, it's what I call a level two uh, sort of restoration. Mm -hmm. I've got a book that I've, that I've written on uh, the levels of restoration, trying to get people to where they don't go out of their zone, you know, and loot, mess with all their budget and everything. So that's kind of what this is. And it's been a really good project. So do you mind m mentioning the name of the book and where people can find it? Uh, it is not out yet. Uh -huh. I'm in the final editing of it. Uh, but it's called The Art of Restoration. And um, and it's got a whole system that I've put together based on years of like, well, it, it, it started out, it was like, you know, I, I did some research a few years ago and came up with some really bad numbers in the automotive world. And do you realize that 70 to 80 percent, now let that number sink in a little bit, 70 to 80 percent of people with a project never finish it. Um, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Now, I'm not talking about a guy that builds something and then keeps tweaking on it, like a race car or a 4x4, you bust an axle, you fix it, that kind of thing. Or a I'm Jeep. Not talking about yeah. I'm talking about a guy that rolls something in the garage and it never comes out again. Mm -hmm. He tears it apart, and, never, and that, that number is huge. And I'm like, why is that? And um, the reason is because we approach the project wrong. So I wrote this book on how to approach the project and lay it out in a system to where you don't get over budget. You don't get out of, you know, your your zone of what your tools and your skills and your money allow, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, so it'll be it'll be good. Uh, the book should be out probably probably midsummer. OK, good. Uh, it probably it'd probably be out on Amazon or uh, on your on website. Amazon, mostly on the website, mm -hmm. and then I've got some other people wanting to do it on Amazon bookstores. Might even be in some of the bookstores, books a million, you know that kind of thing. Oh, that's so quaint! They actually have stores with books that you can buy. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> What's next? The library. So oh, yeah. um, then yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to say, I mean, it's not for me to, to be here and judge, but I do it anyway. Uh, I was thinking if you have something, I was thinking even if it was just a 67 Jeepster. Did you really want to go and put stuff in there that wasn't original? Because uh, Mark told me yesterday they were so few made. And especially now yeah. that you have such a uh, an awesome find, you know, I, yeah. can't, I can't figure out who people uh, who the people are that take these vehicles with little to no mileage on them and stick them in the garage. I mean, if it was Back to the Future and Doc Brown, then that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but but that's wild. Yeah, right. So did you did somebody one of your uh, one of your folks that uh, follows you uh, watches the show and stuff actually cue uh, you into this Jeepster? How did you find out about it? I had a. Uh, jeep cherokee full-size jeep you know mm-hmm. the two-door cherokee the one we all want i'd been after one of those for a long time and i got that from ryan hart there at um the full-size jeep place mm-hmm. and um and i'd been planning on building that this thing came out of california had no rust on it but it needed a complete oh, nice. ground up yeah and i'm looking at that going uh see i had just completed you know some square body chevy truck stuff and other kind of full-sized vehicle thing and i'm like it's going to be a couple of years before i can get that in the rotation and in the meantime i gotta while this thing around you know and i'm like mm, i need to get something else so i put that up for sale a guy came out and looked at it and he wanted that and he said hey would you be interested in a jeepster so he was just a guy that came up showed me pictures of it i about fell out looking at the pictures because usually those Jeepsters are really nasty. Mm-hmm. And I could tell this was in good shape. And it had belonged to his elderly parents. They had bought it 25, 30 years prior. And it just kind of sat in the garage, then the barn. Um, the fa- His father had died five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. So it hadn't run in a long time. And then when I got into it, they had had, you know, it had the typical jerry-rigging in the wiring. And somebody had bypassed some wiring and caught something on fire under the hood so they never fixed it not a bad fire just burned some of the wiring right and uh it probably helped it because it just sat there yeah it was a pro- yeah. one of those projects you talk about that didn't have to happen to it but it, there it was yeah. a gym waiting for uh, somebody that uh, would finish it up so yeah. that is that's really cool and it's amazing you see about these things on on tv shows and youtube where people do these barn finds uh is, yeah. is this the only barn i would think no but is this the only barn find that you've been a part of oh my gosh no i have them almost every day <laughs> um they're always you know oh that's a fun. that's a horrible life <laughs> it's a horrible life i know <laughs> well you know the funny thing is you know when i was growing up uh, you know, like especially through the '80s and '90s and stuff. That's when all these hoarders were putting stuff in garages. You know, nobody was selling anything, so they were putting all the good stuff, whether it was jeeps or it was cars or trucks mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, the Broncos were going in barns and, and this kind of thing. People, I'll never sell it. I'll never sell it. Yeah. Well, what's happening? Like in the last five to seven years, unfortunately, a lot of these guys are dying. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. And all of this stuff's coming out. You know, collections are being sold off and things are being coming out. So there's actually more things on the market now than there have been in a long time. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, they're full of mice and all kinds of sure. other stuff. Yeah. But I just picked up uh, something here. We're getting ready to do a story on it. I picked up a Thiokol Swamp Sprite. Now, Thiokol makes the snowcats you know the oh, okay. you ever saw the shining you know at the end right. of the shining the snowcats and stuff well you know they were famous for snowcats but they also built some that were amphibious <laughs> off-road vehicles <laughs> nice. so it floats yeah so it's got tracks and it floats and uh there's only about three of these known to exist and uh so i've got one sitting here that it was about a 20 year journey from the guy i got it from and then five for me getting it from him so a lot of these things take a long time you know they these barn finds mm-hmm. you know it takes a while to to run these things down so do you um, obviously and i would think especially after the pandemic um you have may have problems getting parts especially for these older vehicles uh yeah how do you how do you handle finding parts for a snowcat i mean talk about obscure yeah well 
fortunately, the engine is just a straight six Ford. Mm -hmm. uh, the drive system is fairly simple, but thing, yeah, you have to make your own stuff. <laughs> and uh, well, it's that, good. No, it's good that you know how to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's really important. And it's, you know, I try to tell people that because. Are you a defense financial manager looking to invest in your career? Attend PDI, the Professional Development Institute in Phoenix, Arizona, May 29th to 31st. PDI is the premier annual training event for the DFM community. Register today at PDI2024.org. Early bird rates end April 30th. The magic of, of watching stuff on TV is it looks, oh, that looks really easy. Mm -hmm. And it is if you've got the tools and the skills to do it. But if you don't, then that can turn into a real mess. You know, and so I try to tell people, you know, once again, it goes back to the, the levels of restoration. Once you start to get into hand fabrication and things like that, um, it steps into a different level, you know, and you might be able to do it. But if you don't have the time or the space to do it, you really don't need to take it on yet. And um, and that's hard sometimes. I, I talk to people all the time. And a lot of times it turns into a counseling session because <laughs> <laughs> they're like, oh, this is my dream car, man. This is what I want. It's like, that's not a dream. That's a nightmare. And there's a big difference. You don't want to get something that's going to cause you to get a divorce. Right. You know. Well, and, and, seen, and the wife will never say, you're not going to do anything with that thing. You never work on it. You're in here watching TV. Well, you know, oh, yeah. this, let's just get rid of it. Let's just sell it. <laughs> yeah. No, if, they don't understand it. Yeah, uh, and if you're like me, you just go, okay, well, I'm not going to work on it. No, I'm not going to sell it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to defy you. Yes. <laughs> Leave me alone, woman. <laughs> so let me ask you, uh, going back to the uh, the Jeepster, are you a patina guy or are you a paint guy? Or does it depend? It depends. I mean, I'm a paint guy. Uh, I love paint. I've always been, yeah. I've always been about paint. I've, I mean... For the longest time, I did all my own paint work and stuff until I just didn't have time to do it anymore. I've got a big, you know, downdraft paint booth in here, you know. So, to me, ultimately, a vehicle, to finish it off right, it has to have paint on it. That being said, I just finished the show on the Jeepster, and I was positioning it. Okay, this has a 20, 25, 30-year-old paint job on it. Mm -hmm. Not the best paint job. A little bit of rust starting to come through, little pockets and stuff. However, you can buff it out and it looks really nice. It's got some patina to it, which is cool. Uh, you know, it took a little bit of elbow grease and some pads and some compound to bring it back. Thing looks fantastic. Is it perfect? No. But that was a few hundred dollars in product compared to ten thousand dollars right to strip the vehicle and put a quality paint job on which one are you going to do yeah I, and i think sometimes whenever you have a fifteen thousand dollar paint job on an older vehicle like that it looks like a, a 50 60 year old man wearing a toupee it, it just doesn't yeah. it just doesn't match <laughs> something here <Yeah>. isn't right <laughs> no you, you either need to do it all the way or you just need to not do it at all you know and so yeah i so I like the paint to look good, but I also am very much a, a patina person on the right vehicle. Right. You know, but it has to look right. Mm -hmm. You know, I it has just, to fit. Um, yeah. And it has to fit what you're trying to do. You know, the paint is the skin uh, and it sets the tone of what the vehicle is, you know, and if it's I usually when somebody does a really high end chassis and suspension and then throws a patinaed body on it. I, I struggle with that a little bit because it's like you got polished stainless steel A arms and everything underneath and all this really fancy stuff and then a nasty old body on mm -hmm. Well, I mean it's to each so, their own. It's just my personal yeah. my personal preference. Um yeah. so uh speaking of which, what color is the Jeepster? It's red and white. It's the traditional red two tone. It's got a white top, red and white interior. Um you know, it's the classic look. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what they say about red Jeeps, right? Ooh, red Jeeps are sexy. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> you know, it's funny, too. My wife came out, and she took one look at that thing, and she goes, I like that. Yeah. And so did both of my daughters, you know, because they're, they're not really so much Jeep people. 
because I usually, you know, build them big and, uh, you know, right. tough and off road. Well, that's, yeah, that's the way a Jeep should be. <laughs> with mud all down them and everything. But they took one look at that and they're like, we like that. Well, the Jeepster's kind of a, I don't know if the right term would be a sedan, but it's almost like the old 40s style uh, vehicles where, you know, you, you loaded up the family in there. It was a multi-door. Yeah. It was like an SUV almost. But so, uh, yeah. it, but it's definitely a Jeep because you can tell it on the grill and, and the design of it. But it's, it, it's a different yeah. kind of Jeep. Yeah. They were trying to compete with the Mustang and the Camaro when those came out. And, of course, they lost dismally. Sure. <laughs> but that's who they were, That's the market they were trying to get. And it was funny because Mark gave me a bunch of original ads for these things. And in all of the ads, it's women. Yeah, so I can see was, that. It was, it was appealing to a female crowd because the Jeep was always a very masculine vehicle. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day, back then anyway. Right. You know, ranchers used them, that kind of thing. They came out of the military. You know, so they were trying to get that female crowd. And it's pictures of, you know, girls in bikinis on, on the beach with a Jeepster, you know. I hate that. This is so, so yeah. disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, they probably sold them that way, you know. <laughs> well, but, I mean, uh, the Mustangs were a female audience as well, weren't they? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and Absolutely. I and I still I still kind of feel they are. I mean, they're, they've done the design change a little bit. So that reminds me, you mentioned Mustang. Uh, my mom purchased a brand new red 1965 mustang yeah with a six-cylinder god dang it and then whenever i was 15 years old she sold it to a neighbor for 500 bucks if she had just waited a little bit longer that would have been my car oh man 500 dollars was that uh, 500 bucks that's a lot of money when was that uh that would have been 1975 no 75 oh yeah yeah, because it yeah, was they a worth anything. It was sixty five, and then uh, seventy five. Uh, yeah, my dad sold his um, sixty two Nova for fifty fifty dollars. My mom yeah. was mad as hell. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, and I think of the deals. Yeah, that was like well, my first. Uh, yeah, I had to have a sixty five Mustang fastback. Mm-hmm. I mean, I loved those cars. There was something about those cars. I just loved them. And uh, so I had Jeeps and everything before that, and hot rods. But my first muscle car. That's what I was after. And I was right out of high school. And um, so I find one. I drove, you know, like six months mi- or six hours to get it. Took a bus. That's a oh, whole wow. different story. Oh, neato. Whole different story. Oh, and you remember wow. that one good because you wanted it and you had to go get it like that. That's really neat. Oh, yeah. Well, here's, okay. You, you'll love this story. I was driving. My daily driver was a 46 Willys Jeep. Oh, man. With a Corvette. 265 in it. I love that Jeep. Yeah. You know, it had the shift, it had shifters coming up everywhere between your legs, and it was just awesome. <laughs> but I knew I was getting ready to move back here to Nashville, so I couldn't drive the, the Jeep all the way here. Mm-hmm. That was originally from Idaho. So I was like, eh, I'm about ready for a muscle car, as much as I love the Jeep. So I, I was driving a delivery truck for the state. You know, so we would do deliveries to the northern part of the state of Idaho. So I'm in the delivery truck, and this is like a like a two-ton box truck. And I've got my little brother there with me, and we're driving up through northern Idaho, two-lane highway. And we drive through this little unincorporated place called Fenn, F-E-N-N. Hmm. It's like a store and a gas station, and that's it. But it says, entering Fenn, and like 100 yards later, you're leaving Fenn. Yeah. But sitting right there by the store is a 65 Coupe Mustang and this 65 Fastback Green. Mm-hmm. I'm, I locked up the truck, man. <laughs> I've, been, I've been looking, trying to find, even back then, and this was, um, this was early 80s, the Fastbacks were still hard to find. You know, so I locked the truck up, you know, skid to a stop back up there, and he wanted $3,500 for it. That's a lot of money. Yeah, it does sound you know, like for a lot. car like that. Mm. So I look at it. It's 289, four speed. Nice. I mean, so it's got all the magic numbers. Yes. So I, I asked, I talked to the guy, you know, and he says, well, he said, I'll take $3,200 for it. And uh, I said, will you hold it for me? Can I give you a deposit? He goes, nope. He said, here's my phone number. He said, just come on up here and get it. I'm like, well, I'm six hours away. Is where I live. I mm-hmm. live in Boise. So I get home. Yeah. And also, the rest of the drive, I'm just scheming on how to get this car. <laughs> right. So immediately when I get home, I take my Jeep and I put it on the local car lot that a friend of mine had. 
And fortunately, it sells really quick for about three grand. You know, so I, I have the money. Now, a week has transpired, you know, and I'm calling the guy. He goes, yeah, I still got the car. Yeah, you got a couple of guys interested in it. Now, I mean, I'm dying because I've sold my Jeep with a plan of getting this car. So I finally get the money. I sold the Jeep. It's been a little over a week. I get on a Trailways bus because I got to drive the car back. Now, keep in mind, I haven't heard the car run. I was just going to say, driven it. yeah. I haven't done anything. <laughs> Six-hour drive down a two-lane road. It's going to be all night, you know, mm -hmm. because I get there on the bus at like 8 o'clock at night. And so I literally step off the bus, give the guy the money, fire up the car, and I'm on my way back home. Uh, about the first, I probably drive 10 miles, and it had the old Grant steering wheel on it, you know, with the three bolts. Right. One of those bolts falls into my lap. <laughs> <laughs> the steering wheel, okay, I'm driving. Yeah. And I'm ripping. Now, keep in mind, it's a two-lane road going through, uh, through Idaho. There's a river running alongside you know, and I'm just having a ball, you know. Well, just making it all come together had to be like, I'm actually in it. I'm actually getting oh, it yeah. home. Now they yeah. have the question is, will I make it? <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I'm, I'm ripping this thing, and it's got the gutted glass packs, and they're rattling off the mountains. It just sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I just have all these visions of, you know, bullet chase scenes and stuff. Yes. <laughs> you know, because it's, it, it's not a 67, but it's, you know, it's, it's close. But anyway, so I, I get home, and about oh, probably an hour from home, another one of those bolts falls off into my lap, <laughs> steering wheel bolts. Now, I'm looking at that. Now, remember, I got three of them, so there's still one in there. I'm like, eh, I'm okay. So you got a spinner now. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm trying to thread those back in there a little bit you know, uh -huh. as I'm driving. Sure. I don't think much about it. Okay, so I get home about 6 in the morning, you know, fall into bed, get up the next day, you know, and I'm going to go down and get my tags for the car. Mm -hmm. Now, anybody in their right mind would have taken a wrench and would have put the bolts back in the steering wheel. But, you know, I had just driven six miles, you know, exactly. six hours. And there was in there, and I'm just like, yeah, I'll get to that, you know. I'm, I'm right out of high school, man. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm an idiot. Yeah. So, anyway, I'm heading down to the DMV to get my tags, and I'm doing about 30 miles an hour. Two-lane road, and that third bolt falls into my lap. And now it's just spinning. <laughs> There's no sense in steering now. <laughs> I'm just here for the ride. Okay. <laughs> now, I've realized in my time of driving, the car pulls a little bit to the right when you hit the brakes. I've discovered this mm -hmm. in my time of driving. it. So now I have a dilemma. As I hit the brakes, the car starts to head off the side of the road where there's gravel. I know that if I get into the gravel, I'm screwed because I won't have any braking at all. Right. So my only option is to get on the brakes hard while I'm still on the pavement. Right. Which, of course, pulls me to the right really fast. So I get, I scare, I go off the road, and boom, right into a fence post. Oh, no. With my brand new car. Oh, no. Fortunately, I just tapped it. And it hit right on the corner where the headlight is. Mm -hmm. And all it did was scratch the paint. Oh, Not man. a dent. Nothing. I, like I said, but I'm just sitting here like, Really? And then the classic thing, I'm right across the street from a guy who's been out watering his yard. And he comes walking up to me and he goes, hey, man, did you wreck your car? <laughs> well, I don't know. let do me think, think about this. <laughs> I don't want to give you too so quick anyways, an answer. <laughs> I, I thread, my, thread the bolts back in enough, which I should have done in the first place, headed down and got my tags. And, you know, I enjoyed that car for a long time. Wish I still had it. Ended up trading that on a Corvette. What a mistake that was. Mm, well, but it's a Corvette. So real quick, I don't want to. I don't want to. I, I don't want to get away from Stacy David stories here. But real quick, uh, from what you were telling me, uh, my first vehicle uh, was going to be my first vehicle, but my parents said no. Was a '67 fastback Mustang. Oh. Seven hundred and fifty dollars. And my, it had a 289 in it. It was a V8, which yeah. I really wanted at 16. You know, you got to have a V8. And my dad said no. And they, they wound up getting me a 73 Pontiac Ventura. Straight six, three-speed. Thank God it was on the floor. And, yeah. and that was a good car until I got the 327 in it and was testing yeah. it out at 130 miles an hour. 
and this asshole pulls into my lane. I mean, it was only 55 miles an hour, but still. Yeah. Totally. And I yeah. totaled that. <laughs> Oh my God. Uh. <laughs> and this is one of the reasons why I got out of cars because I love yeah. going fast and I yeah. was never going to die, but somebody else was going to. You know how that works, right? Because you're, you're, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're immortal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I got into trucks and then Jeeps. And I had, a, I actually, you mentioned a square body. I had a an 83. My first new vehicle was an 83 uh, Chevy short wheelbase uh, fleet side. Yeah. $10,000 yeah. brand new. Oh my God. Yeah. I wish how I still you think had about it. that. Yeah, there's a lot of vehicles that I had I wish I still had. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that I didn't buy that I wish I would have. Yeah. You know, she thought, well, that's too expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It is. But, vehicles yeah. are just so much fun. Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm definitely into Jeeps now, but uh, I've had some of the uh, some of the older, like the I had a Nova after I totaled that 73. Neighbor had a, a Nova, 72 Nova. And I got that yeah. and I moved the 327 over into it. And that was a lot of fun till the till I broke the main and I figured out why Chevy had uh, four bolt main uh, <laughs> blocks. Oh yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I definitely broke that one, but it was fun. Uh, but uh, especially at that age, I think it was probably seventeen, eighteen at that point. Uh, but uh, yeah. yeah, they're they're a lot of fun. All right, so uh, we could sit here and reminisce for a long time, and I think we'll get back to that. But let me ask you real quick about uh, your TV stuff and what you're doing mm-hmm. now. Um, mm-hmm. Now, like I, I told you, I think before we started recording that uh, one of the Jeep Talk Show team members went, oh, yeah, he was on trucks. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's right. That was the, How long ago was that? That's been a long time ago, wasn't it? That was back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> I started doing trucks in 98. Yeah. So uh, this is my 25th year, 26, something like that of doing shows. And I did trucks for seven years. Wow. And, um, and so I think 06 was probably my last year, 07, something like, something like that. But um, I, it was a, you know, it was a great show. I had a good run doing that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it got to the point to where it was just, uh, I, I was just an employee of a company. And so initially I was very fortunate when I first started out doing trucks, they kind of let me do what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And they, they kind of just let me go. And um, at the time, nobody was doing any fabrication. Nobody was doing any building. Any of the shows that existed were pretty much bolt-on shows or just maintenance-type shows. Right. Like Shade Tree Mechanic and stuff. It was about oil changes and this and that, which is fine. It mm-hmm. needs to be those shows. But my thing was always from a hot rod or customizer standpoint. So... It was lift kits or chopping tops or doing, you know, replacing rust. Nobody had ever done anything like that. And so it was, there was a lot of battles, you know, that we had to fight to try to get that on the air like that because no one had ever seen it. And then when the the ratings just exploded. Oh, I think so. And then, you know, everybody was like, oh my gosh. And then, of course, based off of that, you know, you had shows like Monster Garage and all that stuff that came out later where they put the, reality twist on it right which was just a shame because yeah there's that's a whole nother conversation I'm, yeah i'm not a fan of reality shows uh generally because well, they're, they're not they're, real yeah, they're not they're yeah. scripted they're not yeah that's yeah. not reality because if yeah. we like reality shows so much we just live our life we wouldn't watch yeah. it on television <laughs> yeah exactly and uh, what it does is it makes people look and knowing what i know from the because i was in the music business for a long time mm-hmm and everything that I learned in the music business absolutely fits into the television business. You know, so the people out there, you know, the, the record labels, the the um, uh, TV places and the how uh, uh, the producers and everything like that, they're really there to exploit people. I was going to say the people that don't actually do the work. <laughs> no. Yeah. And they, and they don't care about the and they don't right. care about what you're passionate about. And that's the same with cooking shows. It's the same thing. You know, the network guys don't care. All they care about is ratings. Mm-hmm. And they know, you know, tits and ass sells. Mm-hmm. And so does stupidity and shenanigans and things like that. So right. it goes into that as opposed to quality content. And the real enthusiasts, you know, my wife is a really good cook. So she watches the cooking shows to try to learn cooking thing right he doesn't really care about you know 
somebody's, you know, their dog or something like that. She just wants to learn the cooking stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, whereas a reality show, since they're not into that, they try to get into something that is becomes controversial. Well, it's drama. They're they're it's looking drama. at trying to come up with drama, and and uh, I th I think the 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 really the cool thing uh, the getting the internet has has removed so many people that don't do anything except take money or make contact. Yeah. And and yeah. this is the really good thing about podcasting or on YouTube or whatever because you can do it your way, and. Yeah. It's it it's literally amazing, especially if growing up uh, in in the the seventies that, that I did. The, just the idea of being able to have a worldwide audience and not have to uh, kowtow to somebody putting you on the air or a radio station. It, it's just amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, you get a lot of crap, <laughs> but but there's a lot of choice out there now. And if you're good, you can actually reach your own audience. So it's wonderful. Sure, and absolutely. and actually, you do a podcast now too, don't you? Yes, and you're about to be on it. So, <laughs> we're going to pull out all your deepest, darkest secrets. Oh, well, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm an open book. I think you can tell. I love yeah. talking about all the crap that I've done. Uh, <laughs> nobody else, nobody here at the house will listen to me, so. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, we've been doing. So you've ahead. been doing trucks, and then uh, I remember uh, you disappeared from trucks. I didn't see you on trucks anymore. And then I uh, saw this thing uh, that was Gears. And I was yeah. like, that's a cool looking logo. I can't read it. And then I had to, it was yeah. gears. And I went, oh, that's what that says. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and you're still doing gears, right? Yes, we've been doing it now season 18. Oh, that's nice. And, and you're pr yeah. predominantly on YouTube with it or? Well, uh, you know, we've always been on network uh, TV. We were on Discovery and then we were on Velocity and then we were on Motor Trend and we were on Speed Vision. And we were on ESPN too, and wow! <laughs> now we're that's on nice. Mass TV. That that's our main uh, network that we're on, mm -hmm. and we really, you know, Mav TV has really stepped up and become a motorsports destination. In other words, when you go to a sports bar or something, Mav is going to be playing, you know, and that's what ESPN two used to be, and then Speed Vision or Speed used right. to be. And so they've really stepped up, and they show a lot of cool motorsports that you don't see just anywhere. Yeah, I was you just going to say that. Yeah, the stuff that uh, is it may be interesting to a smaller audience. And I love stuff like that yeah. because stuff I don't yeah. know what's going on. I love seeing, and I think that's one of the reasons yeah. why the uh, the builder uh, actually the fabrication thing took off because people weren't yeah. seeing that, and just the yeah. idea of being able to build that yourself, I think, is is fascinating. Um, yeah. how, how important, I think I know the answer to this, how important is knowing how to weld in fabrication? Well, in fabrication, it's everything. Yeah. I mean, you really can't fabricate. I don't think so without being a welder. And uh, now you can be a builder without being a welder, but not a fabricator. And, uh, and let me explain the difference there. There is, when I was, it's almost like being reborn into another level when you become a welder. I Let me give you an example. When I was a kid, I used to work at shops. Um, and I had the opportunity to work with a guy that was just a brilliant fabricator. Now, I was probably 13, 14 years old. And we were putting... I wanted to put a Kawasaki motorcycle engine on my go-kart. And so he said... He, and this guy went to high school with my dad. So he's my dad's age. Mm -hmm. And my dad wasn't really much of a car guy, but Jim was. And Jim had a shop, and he, he was working on Jaguars and all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, he, anything he could do. So we go over there to his shop, and I spent a couple of weeks with Jim. And it was just it was life-changing for me mm -hmm. in that I had a pretty good uh, grasp on how to replace parts right. or to fix mechanical things. You know, you pull off a bearing and you replace it. You pull out, you know, that's that's give and replace. But you're still within the boundary of what you started with. When I walked into Jim's shop, he had a Jag XKE sitting there. Now, keep in mind, this was like late 70s. And he had a Mazda RX-7 engine in it, which he was doing for a client. And he had welded up all of the headlights and put pop-up headlights in the front of it out of a Corvette. <laughs> Looked like crap. But this is what the client wanted. Oh, okay. And 
I said, you know, because to me, the Jag XKE is one of the best looking cars ever built. You just don't screw with that. Right. And uh, so I was like, in my kidness, I'm like, Jim, this is ugly. I said, what's this all about? <laughs> he goes, it is ugly. He said, this is what the client wanted. And he said, uh, I'm just going to take all that out. I'm going to weld it back up and I'm going to re return it back to how it was. And <sighs> blew my mind. I'm like, wait a minute. I mean, to me, the car's ruined. He said, oh, no, we'll just cut that out, weld it back up. He said, you'll never know that was there. And I was like, teach me, teach me that. I, I, I can't wrap my head around that you can fabricate something and create something. Mm -hmm. And um, so after that, I realized that's what I wanted to do. Started learning that, started, learned how to weld. And once I got a welder, it opened up the world to me as far as building a car. Now you can make brackets. Now you can, you know, you can do metal work. You can do sheet metal work. You can do framework. Uh, it's like, you know, some I want something right there. I'm just going to build it. Yeah. Yeah. You bend up some metal and you do it. Now, not everybody is into that. But if you're going to custom build vehicles, it's huge. And uh, so I always encourage people, you know, to do that. But there is a difference between somebody that wants to weld <laughs> or has watched a lot of YouTube videos and somebody that can weld. YouTube certified so, welder, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, you can't teach yourself. I mean, I would assume that you, you, that you taught yourself uh, just by doing it, uh, trial and error. Uh, most of it is. Yeah. Most of it is. It's just like painting. It, you you, you got to learn it by doing it. Mm -hmm. Sure. It's like, you know, when I – it's just like playing guitar. You know, you learn the fundamentals, but you have to take it and make it your own because mm -hmm. everybody's going to have a little different approach. Well, you want that and style to come out, too. You want your own style. You, you don't want to copy somebody else. Absolutely. And it's the same thing with, you know, if, if you're talking about welding, some people like to use, you know, C's for their beads. Some <laughs> right. people like to use W's, you know, just depends on what you want to do. Some people prefer TIG over a MIG. So, you know, there's there's all kinds of things that um, but you just have to do it. Same with painting a car. I mean, you you can ask five different people on how to paint a car and everybody's going to give you a different things. Right. And, and they'll all work, usually. Well, you mentioned you mentioned music, and uh, of course, you do the, the 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 vehicle building stuff. It's all kind of artistic, isn't it? Even the oh my god from the playing yeah. of the music or the creation of the vehicle or the making of the the stuff that you're doing to the vehicle. It's it's all artistic. Yes, it can be. You know the um, I, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because there are different people. I mean, there are certain people that are very mechanical, mm -hmm. and they don't they're not artistic. And a lot of times they are fantastic engine builders or something like that because it's all about the math. Right. It's all about the, you know, the parameters and, and the math and that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Facts. When it yeah, comes facts to, and logic. Yeah, yeah. That's really not the person that you're going to want to design a body because they, they don't understand lines. They don't understand sex appeal. They don't understand colors mm -hmm. the same way. They're more, you know, mechanical. Then there's people that are very artistic, you know, and it's all about, oh, I want to put this here and I see this. And it's like, yeah, but that doesn't work mechanically. Mm -hmm. In other words, that car may look good, but it will not do 200 miles an hour. Right. And if that's the goal, you have to get somewhere in the middle. That's why a lot of your supercars weren't the most sexy things until they brought in a designer that worked with the engineer and said, okay, we have to add some sex appeal. But it can't look like a brick because nobody's going to buy it. Right. You know, so we have to work together. And ideally, you want to be that person that's a little of all those. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's possible to do it. You just have to learn it. You have to think outside the box sometimes. Right. Yeah. You can you can be artistic. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, having the imagination uh, to that's it. to come up with. That's things. really the key. And, and and the people do have imagination, but they don't always trust it because they're concerned that somebody's going to give them shit about it. Because this yeah. isn't the way you do it. Well, screw yeah. them. Do it yourself. You may wind up taking the, the pop-up headlights out and put it back the way it was, but try it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm so glad to hear you say that because that is probably the biggest advice that I would give anybody that is trying to be a custom builder or trying to do something like that. Um, you have to trust what, what you think. Mm -hmm. And you have to uh, 
have a pretty thick skin. Yes. Because especially in, in this day of social media and everything, there's a lot of armchair experts. And what's happened is that everybody sits back and nobody wants to step out and try something different because everybody's going to jump on them. Mm-hmm. But it's the ones that try something and be different that eventually become that person is like, yeah, that guy. And I know that firsthand. I mean, when we first started doing the truck show, people were like, who's this? Who's this guy? Right. What's this all about? Right. <laughs> you know, and that was another thing. You know, when I, one of the reasons I went from, you know, trucks to gears is that even the title of trucks was very limiting. It was all right. trucks or jeeps. That's right. Yeah, you know? that's a good point. And I'm into much. I'm into much more than that. I'm into gearhead stuff. So I couldn't do snowcats, and I couldn't do go karts, and I couldn't do all kinds of crazy stuff. And so it was limiting. So that was the purpose of the gears title. But even then, you know, I would do that. I mean, I, I've been doing, like I said, uh, gears now for 18 years, and I was just down at the uh, Pigeon Forge car deal and i was looking at a model a mm-hmm. and a guy walks up to me and goes hey you're a truck guy what are you looking at a car for <laughs> it's like no i'm not just a truck guy yeah. <laughs> no matter how you it's like well, no matter how, how hard you try to get out of it they pull you back in so oh yeah so and let's it, let's talk about evs real quick now you i mean i don't know that i guess evs technically have a gear somewhere in there are you are you interested in? Are you doing anything with considering doing anything with electric vehicles? Maybe building your own? Uh, have you always wanted a go kart? I mean, not a go kart, a golf cart. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I'll tell you what, and I I'll, I'll be real honest with you about this. We've done a big study on EVs. I I am all about technology. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as it's been thoroughly tested. You know, so when fuel injection first was coming out, you know. I was embracing it within reason, you know, uh, any new technology, you know, whether it be paint or something like that, that's what gearheads do. I mean, we're, we're interested in the new stuff. Right. However, uh, when I looked at the EV thing, when you do the math on the EV thing, the math doesn't work out. It's just not. It's just not a viable thing, and we're seeing it starting to go away. And it are, you, was, are you talking about the power density and the batteries? You just don't get the 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 oomph the that you get from gasoline or diesel or any other I, liquid fuel. I, I'm telling you, Tony. If uh, I did about a six month deep deep dive into the whole EV world from where the where they mine the lithium, where it comes from, what it costs. You know, direct comparison between like a, a RAV4 and a Tesla, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just the power, you know, where it goes, what it takes to recharge, the the infrastructure, all that. I mean, you put all that stuff together, the math isn't even close to working. Yeah. And And the thing is, when you sit down, you have to understand, you understand this, but a, a lot of people that are not car people, they don't understand that we are not normal. <laughs> okay, we we're not just a point A to point point B sort of person. Right. There is a thrill, there's an excitement about a vehicle that is that's what gets us going. And they can make fun of it, they can say whatever, but that is exciting to us. And part of it is the sound, part of it is the feel, right. part of it is the attitude, part of it is I mean it's just that thing. And it's kind of like when you hear that opening riff of a CCR song or Led Zeppelin or whatever it may be. You know, why is it that when you hear the opening riff of uh, Sweet Home Alabama, everybody goes, whoa, turn it (laughs) up. Exactly. You know, it's a passion-driven thing. Mm -hmm. And I hate to use that term because a lot of people do, but it's, it's true. And you can't take that away. And, you know, it's not just you know, getting to one place and EVs don't have that. Right. And they're trying to do that. And they're now I say all that say that, is there a place for an EV vehicle? Yeah. Around town, pizza delivery vehicles, you know, that kind of thing. Maybe some Ubers or stuff that are doing little jaunts around town. Actually, electric might make sense for that. Mm -hmm. Maybe some buses in town, but you see what's happened with that even. Right. But the regular cars and car enthusiasts, come on, you know, it's not even, 
And but but, but Stacy, they're 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 putting the RPM, uh, they're attaching the RPM to the OBD2 or whatever, and popping yeah. in the sound of a V8 inside. Yeah. So that not every, yeah. and, and they don't understand. It's not the inside that's so concerning. It's the outside. You want everybody out there knowing. You mentioned glass packs. Yeah. <laughs> you want everybody knowing that you got a you know a, a pretend race car at least. <laughs> yeah. And see that whole pretend thing. That's like the dude in the seventies that wore all the gold chains <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. It's that thing. You know. It's just not. And nobody wants fake. No, stuff. no, there's, there's no. The, the, the full deal and then there's uh, make-believe. So let me ask you really quick before we wrap up, uh, and correct me on this if I'm wrong, but did, did I, you, were, you mentioned fuel injection. It made me think about carburetors, and I was yeah. really surprised to see a young lady uh, in a carburetor business at the, the tender age of 18. Did I see you yeah. with Riley? It's Riley, yeah. Yeah, okay, good. We, we interviewed her uh, a few months ago, and I just thought it was amazing that, number one, uh, a young person was doing this. I'm sorry, number one, it was carburetors. And I remember, yeah. I remember my car, uh, Holly 650 uh, straight bore that I had on that 327. Yeah. It was so much, so much fun. And you know, you'd rev it to see if it. I mean, you know, if you didn't know what the hell you're doing, you just rev it to see it was revving fast yeah. enough and adjust it. So, uh, but it was really cool to see somebody that's so young doing carburetors and a, and a girl doing it. And I thought that was yeah. wonderful because anybody can do anything. Uh, all they have to do is put their mind to it, learn and try. Yeah. No, and I tell you what, man, I, I just, and I love the fact that um, there's been a big resurgence in carburetors. Mm -hmm. I talk to the guys at Holly all the time. They're like, geez, we're selling more carburetors than ever. And part of that is, you know, fuel injection is great. It's got its place though. Right. Uh, just like a carburetor does. And a lot of these guys, you know, they build a car and they set it in the garage for six months and they go out and try to fire it up. And sometimes fuel injection is not real happy about that. Mm, interesting. I didn't and know a that. And a carburetor be like, yeah, you know. And uh, so it's just, especially these self-tuning fuel injections, you know, they need to be run. Right. You know, to keep them up and tuned how they how you want them. So. Okay, quick question. Uh, and, and hopefully this isn't a sponsor or anything. Uh, I don't think it could be because it's old. So is it Quadrajet or Quadrajunk? <laughs> quadrajet or Quadrajunk? Yeah, and we always called it the Quadrajunk. And that's when you went and got a holly and put it on there because you weren't going to mess with that damn Quadrajunk. <laughs> I, I hated Quadrajets. There we go. I, Very know, good. So it was always Quadrajunk for me. I'm However, sorry, that's, that's a right answer. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, it was always called the hillbilly fuel injection, though. Oh, I never heard that one. Uh, a quadrajet, as much as I hated them, we did the best on off-camber angles and stuff. Oh, until, interesting. Because they wouldn't flood out like a Holly mm -hmm. until Holly came out with their Truck Avenger, which is what that was for. And Edelbrock came out with their AVS or whatever it was, their off-road carburetor. Mm -hmm. They basically took the, you know, the benefits of a quadrajet. And put it into their better carburetors. Oh man, you're saying names yeah, that just no. bring back so much memories. I loved my Edelbrock uh, intake that I had on that 327. Oh, oh yeah, there's so much fun. Uh, and I could probably afford to actually make a, a fast car now. Uh, I never could do anything to the uh, to. I had a four speed Muncie uh, in that uh, that uh, Ventura, but I couldn't afford oh, doing anything to the rear end, so I couldn't do anything with the. Uh, but I still, I and, and I don't, you probably did this too. I had my yeah. digital watch. They were brand new back then, and I set it. And I was going to do zero to 60 and see what my 327 would do. So not only yeah. do you have to hit the little button on your watch, you have to <laughs> you have to watch the 60 mile per hour and then look it down or hit the button again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I did that. Absolutely. 6.7. Yes, I did 6.7, zero to 60, which is nothing nowadays. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it was fun back then. <laughs> did you ever just try to just count it instead of heck with a watch? Just count oh, it. No, I'm not. I'm the kind One, of that, that factual, two. logical person. I want to know. I want evidence. I mean, I want to see what it is for sure. Sure, because I don't want to mess up on the counting, and uh, it, it winds up being something that's uh, much bigger or much less. Well, it's always going to be much less. It's like a fishing story. The fish gets bigger, oh, yeah. the time goes down as you're uh, doing your zero oh, yeah. sixty. Oh yeah, yeah. Stacy, this is uh, an amazing conversation. I think that we have uh, only barely, I mean, obviously, with all the, the stuff you've done, we've barely scratched the surface of stuff, but it was so much fun. Um, but uh, we're going to wrap this up, and we're going to end this with, you know, how the kids love the social media these days. Where can uh, people find more about you? We've mentioned uh, that Gears is on the, uh, still on the, the Internet uh, and on, uh, what was the name of the, the, the station, I mean, the, uh, the network? Uh, that's MAV-TV. 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 
And uh, uh, so they can catch you there. Uh, and uh, you're yeah. coming out with a book uh, probably this summer. Yeah. On uh, I've got several books. I actually, I've got a couple of um, children's books and stuff that I've written over the years. I've got another couple of those coming out. Um, have the restoration book coming out. Um, have a bunch. Have a bunch of die casts and stuff. You can. Oh, that's you neat. can find us. It's just Gears TV or StacyDavid.com. GearsTV.com. You know, it, it we're easy to find, and it's just G E A R Z. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so, glad you spelled that because uh, that, that 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 yes. I forgot and about YouTube, that. YouTube. All of our shows are on YouTube now, and uh, we're always posting stuff on YouTube as well. And, and, and your social. podcast, it is a audio only podcast, not, not audio yeah, video. Uh, we, we released videos once in a while mm-hmm. with it, but most of the time it's just audio. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, I mean, I, I don't see why anybody is interested in talking heads for an hour, but you no, know, I agree. The kids yeah, love most people, it. <laughs> most people put them up, put it on as they're driving or if they're working exactly. in their shop. Yeah. I say, uh, we, we, we say on the show, uh, great for mowing the grass, working out at the gym yeah. or, uh, mm-hmm. doing something when you're supposed to be busy at work. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> Stacy, thank you so much for being with us. It was a lot of fun and I've uh, been watching for a long time. It's uh, great to get to meet you at least uh, virtually and, uh, have a, have a great awesome, day. Man. Well, thank you. Thank you. We're looking forward to it. We'll do it again. Hey, thanks again to Stacy David of Gears and and StacyDavid.com. Uh, visit their website right now. Again, StacyDavid.com. That's with an E, S-T-A-C-E-Y, David.com. Hey, coming up next week, Steve Adams of NachoOffRoadTechnology.com. I know you're saying, wait, let me get a pencil. No, no, you can just, just simply go to Nacho.love. And uh, there's an interesting story about that uh, that nacho love, the whole nacho thing. Uh, and it, it's not what you think. It's really about actual nachos. So you can just go to nacho.love in your browser and get right there and see the great products uh, from uh, Nacho Off-Road Technology. All right, coming up on March 10th in Katy, Texas, or as we like to say, downtown Bright Lights. It's actually, we call it Old Katy, uh, us Katy residents. Uh, there's a new Katy and an old Katy. This is old Katy. And old Katy is, uh, is, uh, has a bit of an atmosphere to it, a, a good atmosphere, uh, and especially where uh, this meet is going to be held. So uh, this is a monthly thing, and uh, the, the next one coming up uh, for Jeeps is uh, March 10th. And uh, we will be there at the uh, Katie Crossings uh, Ice Road uh, Jeep Meets, uh, March 10th. So Greg of Underground Graphics, Todd from offroading101.com, and Clint from uh, Texas 4-Wheel Drive, and uh, Tony, me, <laughs> from the Jeep Talk Show. Uh, the time is 1 p.m. to 4 p.m., again, in KD, Texas. It's a beautiful area. Uh, you can go to Instagram and see some of the pictures uh, that I've put up from uh, going to past events. Uh, but we will officially be uh, be at the uh, the Jeep meets, uh, and uh, you'll we'll have a nice big Jeep talk show banner there too that you can take pictures of, uh, take pictures in front of, or I recommend taking pictures in front of the the beautiful red 2021 Jeep Talk Show Gladiator. The Jeep Talk Show team and I will be at EJS 2024 coming up uh, at the the last. Uh, well, it's not quite March yet, but it's damn close. Uh, well, I guess it is March 1st, isn't it? So uh, it always confuses me when there's 29 days in February. I wonder if there's an election this year. Anyway, uh, so uh, if you're going to if you're going to EJS, uh, join us. If you're not going, then change those damn plans and come out and be there with us. Uh, we'll be there Monday through Saturday. Some may be uh, there earlier. Some may be uh, there longer. Uh, but uh, the Jeep Talk Show, uh, me, the Jeep Talk Show, is going to be there certainly from like Sunday afternoon through, through Saturday. Probably, uh, probably head out Saturday morning. Just guessing. Uh, but it, at any rate, we would love to meet you, wheel with you, or share lies at one of the eateries in Moab. Certainly the Moab Diner, because we definitely go there for breakfast. Uh, they did last year. So, and of course, you should speak about everything like you've done it for 10 years. I only, I've only been once. <laughs> it was a blast. All right. Oh, also, too, uh, I hate to remind you of this, but it's tax refund season. Yeah, you know where I'm going. And it's a great time to become a, become a Patreon subscriber. It's very easy to sign up. Uh, and only $5 will get you started in getting the flagship uh, ad-free content, discount codes, and more. The discount codes are huge. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be actually outlining in a future episode what discounts we have available, because I think that's going to make a big difference to some people. 
because uh, you can actually save more money that you than you spend. I know it's that's a gimmick uh, <laughs> on the on the, uh, the Patreon subscription. You, you can never save money that you spend. That's gone. It's gone. You know, you're not getting it back, but you're going to spend it anyway. So you might as well save something on it. Right. <laughs> Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and sign up uh, to be a paid subscriber through Patreon. It's really, really simple. And if you have any questions about it, contact us. All right, that's a wrap for today's episode of the Jeep Talk Show. I want to give a big thank you to our special guests for joining us today and sharing their knowledge and experience of the Jeep community. Thanks again to G-Tops for sponsoring this episode of the Jeep Talk Show. Find out more by going to gtops.com, J-E, that's two E's, even though I, I blurred it together, uh, tops.com, J-E, tops.com. Support the companies that support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. Meet me and the 2021 Jeep Talk Show Gladiator at EJS 2024, and you can see the G-Tops in person. Yep, uh, Chris is sending me a, a set of Freedom Panels with uh, the G-Top inserts in them. I will have them uh, on the 21, uh, 2021 Jeep Talk Show Gladiator at Easter Jeep Safari. Uh, and I think you're going to be blown away at the quality and the design. And it just it just makes sense. It's a great thing to do. I'm looking forward to having these things and making that 20-hour uh, drive to and from uh, uh, Easter Jeep Safari with those nice, clear panels. So we love hearing from you, our listener. Reach out to us via email, phone, or social media. We use your voicemails on the show. So until next time, keep on jeeping, and we'll see you on the trail. Oh, and by the way, Fridays are red. Remember, everyone deployed. Broadcasting since 2010.